This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. So, um, I have the, the pleasure and the honor of sharing the message with you this morning, and um, this message is called Expectation, and it's been something that God has been speaking to me um, since a little bit before Christmas, actually, and I just feel like he's been slowly developing that over the last month or so, and I just felt it was um, really being kind of laid in my heart that I felt like it was a word of God in this season for um, potentially one person, but in, and for me particularly, but also I felt for the church, and um, I felt like God was was saying to me that in this new season, especially with Impact 2.0 and the transitions, is that often we can move into new things and we can move into change and transitions with not only expectation, but expectations. And I felt like he was wanting to pull out that nuance, that he wants us to move forward with, with great expectation, but he wants us to knock off that S. He wants us to knock off the expectations of what that's going to look like. Because who here knows that sometimes, and as humans, we have a tendency to put expectations on things and situations and people and on ourselves and ultimately on God. And then when that doesn't quite happen the way we think or look, then we accidentally get disappointed. And I feel like God is saying to you this morning that he is, he is moving us into a season where he wants us to move forward with expectation. He wants, to, um, he wants to do something in our lives, but he doesn't want you to be disappointed. So he's saying, take off that S and allow him to choose to do what he wants to do in your life the way that he wants to do it when he wants to do it and you won't be disappointed. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. The reason why that is, is I believe that God is wanting to bring a fresh anointing. But what we, what happens is when we move into a new season, we tend to try to take into that new season the old anointing. So we have this expectation of the anointing of how God used to work over our lives, and it was perfect, and it was good, and it was for that season, but it's not going to carry us into the new season. We need a new anointing. We need that freshness of the move of God in our minds and in our hearts and over our lives in order for us to, to withstand the move that God wants to bring in and through our lives. Amen? So this morning, I feel like God is saying, I want you expecting, I don't want you with expectations, and I want to surprise you this year. I don't know about you, I know that there probably are some of you, that, who here likes surprises? Some of you are shaking your head back there. Some do, some don't. Yeah, it just kind of depends on what it is, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm like that too. I don't like surprise parties without me knowing anything about it because I have no control over it to be honest. <laughs> but I do like surprises as long as there's some element of it that I, I can know about it and I can have feeling of some kind of control and I won't be embarrassed, you know, that kind of thing. Um, at Christmas, I absolutely love surprises. Richard can attest to this, that I am so easy to buy for because one, I like anything. It's all good. 
And But I create a really long list of things that I would like and enjoy to have because, one, I don't want to know what they're going to get me off of that list. So I want it to be so large that no matter what, I'm going to be surprised to some degree. Um, but then at the end of my list, I always write, surprise me. Like, like go for it. And you know what's the, the reason why I'm able to do that with my husband is because my husband knows me even more than I know myself. And when he surprises me, he has a way of surprising me with things that I'm like, I would never even known, one, that that existed, and two, that I would love that so much. Thank you. Um, so my husband knows I like technology, and he knows all about technology. So he gets me these little gadgets that I'm like, that is awesome. Thank you. I would never have even known to ask for that. Um, but I say that because God's like that. That's how he wants to surprise us. He knows your long list, but then he's saying, tag on a surprise me at the end and know this, that I know you even better than you know yourself. And that surprise that I want to give you is going to be something that you're absolutely going to love. And so I just feel like God is wanting to put us into that place of expectation today. Um, so in the Bible, I just want to talk about this biblically for a little bit. So in the Bible, there are two dispensations of expectation. Um, and dispensation means this. It means it's a method of interpreting history that divides God's work and purposes towards mankind into two different periods of time. So, for example, the Old Testament was one dispensation, and the New Testament is the, is the second dispensation. Um, the Old Testament period of up to John the Baptist spoke of the expectation of a Savior being revealed to mankind. So the Jews had this expectation that there would be a Messiah coming. And they expected it to be a savior of mankind in terms of the oppression that they were under for many, many years. So that was that, that Old Testament expectation. Um, and then Luke 3 and 15 says this. During those days of John the Baptist, everyone was gripped with messianic expectations, believing the Messiah could come at any moment. And then there's the dispensation that we are in now. And it's after Jesus, and it's as we wait for the revealing of the sons of God. So unlike the expectation that they had in the Old Testament up to John the Baptist, after Jesus, we have this expectation, that the Gospels say, of the revealing of the sons of God. And Romans 8, 19 and 25 explains it this way. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation, as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And all the women know what that's all about. And it's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something we already have? 
So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for the fulfillment. And another way to say that is we keep on expecting. So let's talk a little bit about expectation. So the biblical definition from the Greek means to look forward toward and what will probably occur, whether in hope or in dread. And an illustration of expectation versus, or yeah, expectation versus expectations are um, three things. So there are three ways you probably came to church this morning. So letter A, you either came with expectation of what God will do, no matter what that looked like. And I don't know about you, but coming as somebody who was preaching on expectation without expectations, I had the hardest time not having expectations of what God was wanting to do, you know? So if God's been speaking to me since before Christmas and he's unlayering this message and I'm believing it's God bringing a word to, to his people, it's really hard not to have expectations of what he's going to do with that. Um, you know, so you either came with expectation what God will do no matter what it looks like or let her be, or you came with no expectation whatsoever of God doing anything. And then you came with expectations of what the service will look like. And um, if we kind of break that down a little bit, so if we, if we go back, so expecting something, no matter what it looks like, will keep you from being, will keep you from disappointment. So if you come in going, God, I, I'm expecting you to move, but I don't care what you do. I don't care how you do it. I just want you to, to move in my life. That's going to keep you from disappointment. Number two, no expectation of God doing anything. You may leave unconsciously disappointed. And the reason why I say may is because God can encounter you whether you expect it or not. So you, you may leave disappointed, but you may not because he can encounter you. And then number three, if you came with expectations of what God's move will look like, then you may miss what he actually wants to do in you. And because he actually has moved, but you had expectations of how he was going to move, and you couldn't transition to that new, that new thing he was going to do in your life, then you actually end up leaving potentially disappointed because he didn't do exactly what you wanted him to do the way, he, way you wanted him to do it. Um, so today I believe God wants to separate no expectation and wrong expectations so that we can be left with great expectation. Does that sound good? Awesome. Sorry, guys. It's a little dry in here this morning. Okay. So I just want to give you an example of expectations versus expectations. Um, so personal illustration would be, so my husband, um, we've been married for almost 24 years. Um, and for 18 and a half of those years, my husband was unsaved. And I was. So who here knows there was an awful lot of praying going on. <laughs> there was an awful lot of, you know, um, believing God, believing his word, having him speak to me, um, you know, believing in promises that he had said to me that, that Richard would come to Christ, that my family would come to Christ, you know, all of those kinds of things. And there was one day that I was, I was in my car, and I had just come from getting groceries, and I was um, pulling into our driveway, and I was parking, 
And um, I don't know about you, but sometimes there's some rimblings in my spirit. <laughs> and even if I'm not speaking it out loud, obviously God hears my rumblings. <laughs> and so I was complaining to God, and I was telling him how disappointed and hurt and angry and upset I was that my husband hadn't yet come to Christ. And there was, it was almost like, because this was happening on the inside of me, but I could almost feel the tangible presence in the car just get really quiet. <laughs> and then I just heard the voice of God, and he said, Rachel, if you are disappointed, it's because you have the wrong expectations. And who here knows that when God speaks and somebody in that conversation is right and wrong, you're not the one that's right. <laughs> God is the one that's right. Amen? So, but in that moment, although that was hard to hear, it broke something off of my mindset. It broke something off of my spirit that I was then able to say, God, I am so sorry. I am so sorry that I have put you in a box and I have limited you and I have tried to control how and when and where you're going to save my husband. And God, no matter at this moment, no matter how you want to do it, when you want to do it, I'm just going to, I'm releasing this to you and I'm going to be expecting, but I'm not going to put an expectation on that anymore. And there was a piece that just kind of entered my spirit. And I'm not saying I didn't have to fight that again at different times, but each time I did, I would go back to that moment and I would repeat again, God, I have expectation, but without expectations. And the way that my husband actually did come to Christ was an interesting surprise, which I don't have time to go in today, but it happened. Um, and so it's amazing how if we don't have expectations, God has a way then of being able to move um, because we're no longer limiting him. We're no longer boxing him in. And I feel like that's one thing that God is wanting to, to do in us today. Um, so let's look at three categories that tend to produce no expectations or wrong expectations. So letter A are boxes. And boxes are things that contain us. A definition of contain is this, to have or hold someone or something within, to control or restrain. And the example I wanted to use here actually was um, the Israelites in Egypt. So the Israelites had been in Egypt uh, in, uh, in slavery for 430 years, as you know. And they were under the Egyptians. They were severely oppressed. And in, in that scenario, they were actually flourishing. So they were actually, they were growing within the containment of Egypt. But suddenly there came a moment in time where they were growing so much and they were under so much oppression that they literally needed to be breaking out of that, that containment. They needed to be breaking out of that oppression. And they had no room to, no room to move. They had no room to grow. Um, and, and two, what was happening for the, for the Israelites is that they were also in status quo. So even if they were growing in numbers... There was nothing for them to look forward to. There was nothing for them to do. So they began to cry out to God, and God ended up sending them a deliverer, Moses, as we all know. Um, and when Moses came and God delivered the Egyptian or the Israelites from the Egyptians, one, he obviously did it in, in a way that they never expected. 
um, they didn't even know what to expect. They were just crying out to God. And then when Moses came and he ended up being the deliverer and they came out, they thought this was great. You know, once they got over the Red Sea and they got into the wilderness, God was calling them to be in an intimate relationship with him. And, and they danced and they sang and they praised God. And, and then as they traveled just a little bit farther, though, when they, they didn't have enough to drink or they didn't have the meat they wanted. And there's a place where it talks about how they yearned and longed for the garlic and onions of Egypt. And I felt like God was wanting me to ask you, in order to break out of your containment, or in order to break out of some of your boxes, whatever they might be, are you willing to forego your garlic and onions? Are you willing to forego those things that, that despite oppression, seem pleasurable, that seem like it's the thing that sustains you, it's the thing that nourishes you, it's the thing that gives you, gives you joy? Are you willing to give up your garlic and your onions? Because sometimes what, when we're in containment, the place that's comfortable can seem pleasurable. But God, when he's wanting to break us out of our boxes, he's, he, he literally is a, he is a gentleman. He won't force you to do something. He'll come and say, are you willing to give that up? Because it has to be from our will we have, to, we have to submit our will to God in order to break out of our boxes. So are you willing to give up your garlics and, garlic and onions this morning? And, um, you know, I've, another thing that God's been speaking to me recently, in, in particular to this, this aspect, is the concept of comfort zones. And, you know, when we're in a comfort zone, and God calls us out of that comfort zone into an uncomfort zone, we tend to get terrified, we tend to get scared. But recently, I just felt like God was saying to me, Rachel, when I'm calling you out of your comfort zone into an uncomfort zone, please know that that's my comfort zone. No matter where God, no matter where God is calling you, he's always calling you into his comfort zone. So you can still trust him, and you can place that, that known or unknown into the hands of a known God. Amen? Um, also, too, I was just thinking of Scott's message last week on Activate. You know, Activate is an uncomfortable zone, but please know that that's God's comfort zone. Um, I was talking with Colleen last week, and she said, you know, God's comfort zone is the supernatural. So if he's calling you there, know that God's got your, got your back on that. Um, number B, so limitations is the second thing that can be wrong expectations, uh, and that's things that stop us. So a definition of limit is a restriction on the size or amount of something permissible or possible. Matthew 13, 57 to 58 says this, And the people became offended and began to turn against him. And Jesus said, There's only one place a prophet isn't honored, his own hometown. And their great unbelief kept him from doing any mighty miracles in Nazareth. So the only thing that can limit, according to this scripture, or stop God from moving in our lives is us. You know, when Jesus went to his hometown to work those miracles, if those individuals had had the expectation of that, wow, okay, yes, Jesus grew up here and we know him, but it's amazing what God can do in a person and they actually recognized him as the son of God, then he would have been able to work even greater mighty, mighty miracles in their midst because of their belief. 
So the only thing that can stop and limit God is our belief system. So if you think about this, like this is absolutely amazing to me. That God can move or not move based on the way that we think. How powerful is that? So if you are disappointed in something that it seems like God is or is not doing, one of the things you want to do is look at the way that you're thinking about it. Because it's our thinking that actually can limit what God can do and stop that. Um, you know, if you think about on the, on the flip side, on the positive side, if you think of an exa- the example of Mary, and when God sent the angel to come to her and say, hey, Mary, you who is a virgin who's never been with a man is going to have a son. And she said, like, how can that be? She wasn't in unbelief. She was just saying, I'm marveling that that could even be possible. (laughs) Um, But it said that she believed God. And because she believed God, because she had that expectation, but without expectations, because she had no idea how is this going to work, what is this going to look like, how is this going to play out, but she believed in him. So she moved through that period of time with expectation of what God had said to her and allowing that promise to to be fulfilled, but without knowing exactly what that was going to look like. Had she not believed him, we wouldn't have Jesus. We wouldn't be here this morning worshiping together the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen? So God wants to break off our limitations, those things that stop us. So it's thinking about, literally thinking about what you're thinking um, that can break that limitation off for you. Let her see patterns, things that try to conform us. So definition of conform is to comply with rules, standards, or laws. So Romans 12 and 2, and I love this version, it's an an understandable version, (laughs) A-U-V. I absolutely love that. Um, And you people must not be conformed to the values and standards of this age, but you should become transformed changed in attitude and action by having your mind renewed to think in a totally different way. So obviously this is kind of overlaps a little bit with the other ones. Each of them kind of overlap a little bit. But um, I feel like God is really wanting to break us out of our, our, those things that try to mold us and to shape us and to conform us you know, because of the way society thinks or media is telling us to think or can I even dare say it the way that religion tells us to think or, you know, God wants you to be breaking out of those, those things, those ways of thinking, those patterns of thinking so that you can allow him to move in and through your life. An example I want to give you with this is that um, the Pharisees, so we think of the Pharisees often in a very negative way. We tend to think of them as, as legalistic and religious and traditional. And, and they had so many rules and laws and standards. And, and, and all of that is true. Um, but the Pharisees actually were a group of people who they were trying desperately to stay set apart and to stay holy, as in um, clean from anything around them according to the word of God. Now, they had added laws to the extreme to do this. But the reason why they did that is they wanted to make sure that they were ready and able to receive the Messiah when he came. So they were actually doing 
things according to the pattern of God's word that they had known and experienced in the past, according to the, to the word that they had at the time that would say, if you do this, if you set yourself apart, if you are holy, then the Messiah can and will come in and through you. He will come and he will save your people from your oppressors. So the Pharisees actually had this mindset. They were doing a good thing. But the problem is because they um, had expectations, and not just expectation of a Messiah coming and what he would do when he came, they actually missed him when he came. And not only did they miss him, but they killed him. It's amazing to me how if we stay in our old patterns, if we stay in our old ways, especially when there is a new move of God coming, when there's a fresh anointing that God is wanting to bring to you as a person or corporately to a body or to a city or to a nation, that if we stay with those old patterns of how he used to move, then we will actually miss and potentially even stamp out or kill what God is wanting to do in the now and in the future. And I believe this morning that that is why God is, is wanting us to, to, to make sure that we're aware that we can potentially and accidentally have expectations that will box him, him in and limit him and conform him in a way that he then can't move in and through your life. So I believe this morning that God is wanting to break off any expectations so that we can let be left with only expectation of how and that he is, is going to move. What that looks like, that's up to him. How he does it, that's up to him. When he does it, that's up to him. But he wants you prepped and set up and ready without expectations so that at any moment... And can I say to you, to you this, don't ever put a limit on when and how quickly God can move. You can struggle, can I say that you can struggle for years, but in a moment, in a second, God can change your life. And it is just like labor that you forget, you remember, <laughs> well, for the women, <laughs> Men remember the fainting. You remember the pain, but it doesn't sting you anymore. It doesn't affect you because you're so happy with what has been birthed and what is now alive and what is now growing and what now has potential. So if you have a limit this morning that, hey, it's been 10 years, five years, three years, two months. Let God this morning break off that limitation and that expectations that it's never going to happen because that's of the enemy. It is going to happen, and it can happen in a second. Um, so just moving to number six, Alan. Um, how does God want us to be expecting? So I just want to end here. I'm going to talk to you from the woman at the well, and I'm just going to set that scene up briefly for you. So... If you're, if you're here and you don't know that story well, um, it's about a Samaritan woman. And the Samaritans were um, a mixed race at that, in that time. And they, had, they were half Jews, and then they were half Gentiles, so other nations. And they were called Samaritans. 
And because they were mixed at that time, and the Israelites are actually called to be um, a pure race, so they were called to marry one another um, so that the Messiah could come, um, the Samaritans were not seen as somebody that you would be near or that you would talk to or that you, were, you would interact with. And so that's where this scene picks up. So Jesus, who is, is the Messiah, the anointed one, has now come, and he has now decided that as he and his disciples are traveling on a journey, um, that he needs to go to Samaria, Samaria, and he needs to, not that he's saying it out loud, but this is what happens, to meet with this woman. And so he ends up meeting with her at, at, at a well. And John 4, 9 and 26 describes it this way. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? So this is one of her boxes. So she's, she's actually pointing out a cultural thing. So not only are you Jewish, but you're a man, and you are talking to a Samaritan, and you're talking to a woman. And not only that, and it doesn't describe that in this particular passage, but she was alone. So he was a male Jewish man talking to a female alone in the middle of nowhere with no one around. And that's just not something you would have done at that time. And Jesus replied to her, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. And the woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and this well is very deep. I wonder if you know, in that moment, if God just kind of gave her, you know, there's that awkward pause, and just kind of gives her a look. And so then she keeps talking, and she says, um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So where do you find this living, so where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? And again, she's, she's declaring a box that she has him in. She's declaring that, that, that he is contained in this box, that he can only move in a certain way, um, and that he's not, he certainly isn't any greater than Jacob. So he, she's putting her mindsets on to what Jesus, or what she doesn't know about Jesus at this time. And Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I, I, give, it, I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. And the woman replied, let me drink that water so that I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. And Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times, and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. And um, this is a limit that God is kind of lifting off of her um, because he, he's slowly he's slowly unpacking and unlayering and changing her thought processes so that he can eventually move her to a place where he has broken off her expectations so that he can reveal who he is and the expectation of who he is. So again, that, that's a limit that she's been speaking about there. And the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain? But your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right. And here she's talking about a pattern. She has known this pattern and she's been taught and she's heard 
and that's all she knows. So she's repeating to Jesus a pattern that he's about to break off of her life. And Jesus responded, he said, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on a mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. And the woman said, this is all so confusing. But I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And again, that's just revealing a pattern that she has, she knows, okay, there's this Messiah that's going to come. There's a Savior that's going to come. He's going to save us from the oppression of the world that is around us. Um, and, okay, well, I did have expectations, and, and now maybe that's not true, but this is, this is at least what I know. So when he comes, he'll explain it to us. And then Jesus replies to her, and he says, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointing one is here speaking with you, and I'm the one you're looking for. I am your expectation. So it's amazing to me how Jesus actually walks this woman layer by layer, and he begins to not only surface, but then each, each layer she brings to him, each box, each limit, each pattern she brings him, he removes those expectations. He removes those things from her so that he can finally say, now here I am, and reveal himself as the Messiah, the anointed one, that not only would come and, and um, free them from oppression, but would free them from sin. So he moved. He was beginning to reveal himself and to move in a way that would say, your expectations of me just coming and freeing you from oppression is actually not the core of what I want to do the way you think I'm going to be doing it. I'm actually going to free you from the very sin that oppresses you. Amen? So that day, that woman, that Samaritan woman, came to a natural place looking for a natural source to ease her natural thirst. Her expectations were that she would be alone, that she would satisfy her natural need, and she would go back home to keep living as she had been. She would return with her boxes and with her limits and with her patterns. But instead, she encountered Jesus, and he broke off her wrong expectations. Um, I just want to say this morning that Christ alone is our expectation. So if we want to move into a season for a fresh anointing and a fresh touch. I believe that what Jesus is wanting to ask you this morning is, am I your expectation? Or are you expecting something else? See, Christ has already come. And in our day, we're not looking for him to come in the way that the Israelites did years ago. But we keep accidentally looking for him to come in this way or that way or the next way. And then when he doesn't, we're disappointed. And he wants to break off that disappointment. Because I believe that what he's wanting to settle in our hearts 
is that right here, right now, no matter the struggle, no matter what you're going through, he is your expectation. He is enough. He is your everything. And it's not even just about those things disappearing from your life so that you can live free. It's about him being your expectation and moving through them with you until you find freedom. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.